Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Human Rights Magazine. In the European Union, legislation is coming that will require companies to carry out effective environmental and human rights due diligence within their value chains and ensure good governance to prevent corruption and bribery. This will not only affect companies based within the EU, but also those outside that have access to the EU internal market. Why is such legislation needed, and how effective will it be in reducing abuse of human rights and harm to the environment? In this episode, Camille Rosette explores the impacts of the legislation and why it is necessary. Multinational corporations have been accused of taking advantage of locating their production in countries where regulations are weak or poorly applied at the expense of the people who live and work there as well as the environment. My name is Camille Rosset and for this episode I'm going to explore how effective new European rules on corporate liability will be. The concept of due diligence in human rights protection was developed to hold companies accountable for the violations that may occur in their production chains. Companies would thus be required to anticipate these violations and put in place systems to prevent them. On March 10, 2021, due diligence recommendations were approved by the EU. To understand what changes this will bring, I spoke to several experts in this field. Claudia Seller and Christopher Potts are working with the European Coalition for Corporate Justice and Naila Ajaltuni defends the rights of the workers in the textile sector within the Ethics Solitiquette Collective. First, I asked Claudia Seller to explain the steps involved in adopting mandatory due diligence for European companies. Well, in fact, what was voted yesterday was an own initiative report from the Parliament, which uh, gives a recommendation to the European Commission on how to establish a European directive on corporate due diligence. This vote doesn't mean it's decided yet, but now it's, uh, it's up to the European Commission to actually propose legislation. So what we saw in the, in the vote yesterday, in the report that was voted Uh, in the plenary of the European Parliament was is already a very good uh, baseline um, to start with. So there is the uh, there is a clear call that companies have to uh, conduct due diligence, uh, that they have to prevent and address uh, adverse human rights impacts uh, in their value chains. Um, they have to do some kind of risk risk mapping, and there will be also some enforcement happening and there should be civil liability regimes. What I thought at first about due diligence was why do we need another law to protect human and environmental rights? And why does current legislation not prevent these scandals? Well, due diligence laws are focusing on the responsibility of companies that establish themselves in countries where these rights are not sufficiently protected. Sala and Pats who work to promote due diligence, deplore this and advocate binding legislation. In 2011, we had a significant milestone set with the UN Guiding Principles on Business and Human Rights, adopted unanimously by the Human Rights Council of the United Nations, which set out uh, very clearly on, on how to frame business and human rights. 
And there are three pillars. Uh, the first pillar is uh, for the state. The state has a duty to protect human rights. The second pillar is for companies. Companies have to respect human rights. And the third pillar is about access to justice. So uh, victims of, of corporate abuse have to have access to justice. We saw voluntary initiatives um, for, uh, for yeah, 20, 30 years. Yeah, the, the sad um, conclusion is that they don't bring about any change. It, it's clear that we need a legal standard. If it's not binding, companies will not change their behavior. I guess, yeah, the current situation, it allows a lot of companies to talk the talk. And a lot of them are doing that. They're talking the talk. They're saying that they respect human rights, but they're not. There's no way for us to know if they actually are. Uh, and we need the regulatory procedures and instruments in place to ensure that consumers all over the world are not being taken for a ride by these companies, and that we know that when they say that they respect human rights, that they actually are obliged and do have in place procedures which ensure that they do respect human rights and that there in fact isn't any human rights violations in their in their value chains um, so yeah it's it's necessary to have laws to ensure that citizens and consumers um, are not uh, are not able to continuously as is currently the case, uh, be lied to and misrepresented to by companies who sell them products. The announcement of the European due diligence is a real advance in corporate liability and is welcomed by civil society. Sala and Paz are pleased with this progress. For them, it's a big deal and things are going to change, also for victims or corporate abuses. So it's, it's a glo of global relevance that we advance these civil liability rules and that access to justice is, is a key part of these due diligence laws. This is a legislative initiative which proposes to give uh, victims or people who are harmed in global value chains better access to EU courts for the harm caused in the value chains of EU companies. So it's extending, it proposes to extend civil liability for harm for EU companies throughout their value chain. The conditions of the European due diligence still have to be defined, but Sala and Pats think it's on the right track and hope it will go even further. They would like the law to be as broad as possible, to be truly effective and protective. Well, we need a European directive to apply to as many companies as possible. Ideally, it should apply to all companies. Um, it's important that uh, we have the scope very far-reaching. It's uh, also important that uh, all human rights violations um, and environmental standards are, are covered and are included. And it's important to have, uh, to have liability in the directive, it, it, the concept of liability and the concept uh, that the company has a duty of care. It's very important that the legislation applies to the entire value chain of mm -hmm. the company. A company should monitor its entire value chain for risks, and then when it acts, it needs to prioritize the most severe risks. It's clear that companies can't do everything at, at once, um, but the concept of due diligence explains that they have to 
prevent harm in their entire value chain, uh, but that they need to prioritize the severest risks first. Um, the reason that it has to cover the entire value chain is because most of the most severe human rights violations, such as forced labor or child labor, actually take place at the very end of the chain. Children working in the cocoa plantations um, or, or informal uh, work in the textile sector. As Salah explained, everything is not yet decided. Things are recently starting to move since 2017 with French due diligence initiative, but it remains feeble. A large part of the, the reason or, or a large part of the answer is surely the, the very strong business lobbying uh, that we see in Brussels, that we see at EU level, um, especially the big business associations um, spearheaded by Business Europe, who is the largest business association, um, lobby association at EU level here in Brussels, they were fiercely saying no to, to anything that could be binding legislation for companies and, and they were really blocking the process. The Brussels machinery is very, very much feared by lobbying, unfortunately. That's why it's important that there are a lot of strong and outspoken NGOs and trade unions in Brussels, which Luckily, we also have, uh, but it's still difficult to outweigh this, uh, the, the, the business lobby on, on this. And um, as we were speaking about the German law proposal, the German law proposal initially was, was meant to be much stronger. The, uh, the ministers for development and labor who initiated this process, they wanted a strong civil liability regime in the German law with access to justice for victims from third countries. But uh, we saw very clearly, in, like you can really trace the different lobby steps that uh, the Ministry for Economics surrendered to. And yeah, the law proposal was really significantly watered down by this business lobby. And we, now we're trying to, to do our best not to let this happen at the European level. Naila Ajaltini, the French textile industry specialist, went further and explained to me how companies were taking advantage of the current situation and had no interest in changing it. C'est exactement la responsabilité des grands groupes qui ont, sinon, quand elles n'ont pas organisé leur irresponsabilité, elles en ont profité des années. Je dirais, il a fallu qu'on arrive en tant que société civile organisée à être suffisamment puissant pour poser la question de ce devoir de vigilance. Il a fallu qu'il y ait un texte international et que l'on pointe la responsabilité de ces grands groupes. Indeed, the multinational lobbies have a very important weight and are not happy about these restrictions. They are very cautious about how they communicate and do not accept interviews. I reviewed the position papers of two big European lobbies, Business Europe, European Employers Federation, and AFEP, the French Union of Private Companies. They do not directly state that they are opposed to the European due diligence but they deplore its binding nature. Among the arguments they put forward, they state the critical impact on the competitiveness of companies and claim not willing to hold solely responsible. These arguments are frequently used by companies to avoid questioning their production methods. Fortunately, they are not irrefutable. As Salah and Paz explained to me, 
Due diligence is a very complex process involving many stakeholders. It is therefore a reality that companies cannot always control precisely what happens to each of their subcontractors. However, they can put mechanisms in place to prevent them. Another aspect is also uh, stakeholder engagement. It's very important that in this process of due diligence, uh, the company engages with all stakeholders that, that are or could be affected. So imagine when a company decides to uh, start an operation, for example, buy textiles from a company in Bangladesh, then they would be well advised to try to identify uh, who are the people there in Bangladesh that we can speak to. So try to identify, is there uh, a trade union, a labor union? Is there uh, other, other experts? Are there civil society groups? that we can speak to and get the actual like, information from the ground that we can count on. I would just add that it's a participatory process. So this does take effort, but this is the whole ethos and the whole vision of the UNGPs, which business has signed up to and what is needed in order for such a transformative change in the, in the global economy. We have to keep in mind as well that a lot of companies with big global value chains also have huge profit margins, which it's then expected that they reinvest into doing due diligence to ensure that the products we receive as consumers are not made as the result of child labor or adverse, huge adverse environmental impacts. The most important point Salah makes is that due diligence is an ethical issue. In the end, it's really about protecting uh, human rights, it's about protecting the environment, it's about a more sustainable business and a more sustainable global economy. Maybe now you wonder what you can do at your level to protect human and environmental rights. When I realized the irresponsibility of companies and the weight of the lobbies that defend their interests, I said to myself that I should also act. The textile sector in particular is a sector where I can act as a consumer. I can rethink my consumption pattern, switch to second-hand or buy new but more ethical classes. However, when I talked about it with Ajaltuni, she let me understand that this is part of the problem. The responsibility shifts from the companies to the consumers. They are considered guilty of falling into the pattern of consumption encouraged by companies. Companies adopt this strategy to not to question their own consumption models. For Ajaltuni, it is important to put the responsibility back on them. À mon sens, il ne faut pas déplacer les débats vers le consommateur et la transparence. Il faut déplacer les débats vers la responsabilité juridique des multinationales qui produisent dans n'importe quelle condition au mépris des droits sociaux. L'arme principale, ce n'est pas celui du consommateur, c'est celui du citoyen. C'est sa capacité de pression, sa capacité d'alerte, sa capacité d'interpellation. Et ce sont sur ces leviers que le collectif qui sur l'étiquette se positionne et invite à agir. We can act responsibly as consumers but we can also act collectively as citizens. Thank you for listening to this episode of Human Rights Magazine. The podcast is brought to you by the Upstream Journal. I invite you to consider supporting the program and the magazine with a contribution through PayPal as you explore other episodes. Thank you for listening to this episode of Human Rights Magazine. The podcast is brought to you by the Upstream Journal. 
I invite you to consider supporting the program and the magazine with a contribution through PayPal as you explore other episodes.